0: in the mirror, yes. I look who Yeah, yep, yeah, that girl is me. I'm beautiful and kind, and intelligent mind. My purpose I will find, gotta work, part and grind. I'm shining so bright, into dim my life. Because just glitter, 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 glitter. Glitter, 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 glitter over here and glitter over there. Glitter
1: right here and glitter everywhere. Hey, hey guys, <laughs> everyone! We are so super excited today. We are speaking with Doctor Kimberly Harris. Let's just put that put that doctor out there. you. <laughs> we have you. to pay respect. where respect is due. Yes.
0: And Thank we are
1: you. we are so we are so excited. I I met Kim when we were working on Bikini Moon. They changed that mm-hmm. name so many times. Like yes. it's always hard for me to remember. <laughs> it, right. It was. It was bikini sunshine at one right. point. And like, then it was
2: just bikini, right?
1: Then yeah, it just then bikini. it was bikini. Yeah, right. and I was like, they need to make up their mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh-uh. So wait, what was it yes. finally? It was bikini moon. Oh, they, okay. settled. Yeah. they settled on bikini moon. And I was just so enamored because... I want to say a Michael because I hear people say, okay, Michael. Michael. Michael Michelle was just so cute. I have a picture of her Thank too. You. I'm going to send it to you. It's, okay. But she was so cute and so loving, and just, you know, you could tell just from her personality that she was growing up the right way, you know, because, you know, I, I used to work at Nickelodeon, Kim. Okay. And <laughs> all I'm going to say is, <laughs> you know, kids all of them know how. No, they don't act that way. That's all I'm going to say. Thank
2: you. Thank That's
1: you. All Thank you. Say. So Thank so you. I've been such a fan of you guys, you know, for a long time. And I'm so happy for you guys. I just feel like Thank God has so me, he just works in amazing ways. And
2: yes, he does. you know, the
1: right people, he does the right things for the right people at the right time. Amen. So, um,
2: Thank you. Thank you so, so much.
1: I'm so, so grateful that you're coming on here today. This I'm is, excited. By the way, Yeah, this is my best friend, Darkoya, And also, she's my wealth partner, my business partner, my motivation. I can't, I can't,
0: I can't. Your person,
1: your person. Yeah, she's
0: my my person. And we're together today. So usually, um, we're apart. I'm in New York. And she's here in um, South Carolina. So we're together today Exciting. doing a podcast. And I'm so excited to talk with you. I had no idea Tish knew you. Um, I actually watched Mixed Ish. And I just remember watching it. And I was like, there is something about that little girl. And I didn't know her name Thank at you. the time. But um, I've been an educator for years. I taught. Mm-hmm. Um, I- I taught elementary school theater. I work with children in various capacities. And just like seeing her, she has such a light. And one Thank thing that you. I know, you're welcome, one thing that I know is that parents are a product, I mean, children are a product of their parents. You can always mm-hmm. tell when a child is being loved at home when they're being raised up the right way. And it's like a direct reflection of their parents. So I thank know that you. that is a reflection of you. So thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you um, for having legit- me. You're welcome. Um, so for those of you who are just joining us, if, just in case if you haven't heard, uh, this is Dr. Kimberly J. Harris. She is the mother of Michael Michelle from the star of mixed on ABC. Um, and she's here to talk to us today about leveling up,
1: yes. and also some of the things that are happening in the, in the world, world today, mm-hmm. because it's so important that we talk about that. First and foremost, justice for <laughs> Brianna Taylor, please. Can, oh yeah, can, yes, 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 can we yes. just lock up the people mm-hmm. that you know? Let's just go there, right, on the platform. We have to say absolutely, it until it
0: happens. absolutely. So,
1: um, arrest just, the cops that killed Brianna Taylor. Please. Can we absolutely. do that? Take
0: Please. care of our young black women out here. Yes, absolutely. So, um, Kim, the first thing that we want to talk about mm-hmm. is, as a black mom in Hollywood, um, have you seen some of the racial injustice in the entertainment industry that people have been talking about? Uh,
2: just jump right in, huh, ladies? Yeah. <laughs> 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 yes. Um. You know. In any industry, right? Um, Specifically Mm -hmm. our industry. Um, It's so funny that you started off by saying Dr. Kimberly Harris. I'm I'm a career educator myself, 30 years in the business. And if you would have asked me, you know, 30, 40 years ago, would I be trying to obtain a doctorate? that was never on my radar. I, I always knew I wanted to be a t- an educator. Um, I grew up in, I'm a PK, I'm a preacher's kid. And so I always had the teaching side of me. And so I wanted to be a teacher from day one, always knew that. So at church, I would, you know, teach the little mm-hmm. kids and I would, you know, it was really just babysitting, but I I thought I was doing something. <laughs> so I would teach them a lesson. So I always knew I wanted to edu- be an educator, but at, growing up, there was so much racial injustice and and so many microaggressions. At that time, we weren't calling the microaggressions, but we knew that people Mm -hmm. were saying things to us that uh, we didn't necessarily agree with And I had the kind of parents that I try to be with my children who would always tell us we can be whatever we wanna be. People are gonna Mm -hmm. say this, that, and the other. And so I remember being in high school and my guidance counselor, who was an African-American gentleman, I graduated in the top 10% of my class. And he told me that I was not college material. And he told me that I should mm-hmm. not waste my parents' money, that I should go look for a job. Now, I graduated top 10% of my class, but I was oh. not college material. So not only did I wanna go to undergrad, which I did, I, you know, I had something to prove at that point. You, you know how it is, tell me what I can't do. And that's mm-hmm. the very thing that I'm gonna do. So I went to college and then I was told, well, you're too young to go for a master's. So I ended up going for a master's. And then somebody told me, well, a doctorate, you don't you don't even need a doctorate because you'll never advance to... So then I had to go for a doctorate. And it, and it, and it really was, when I look back, I never, it never intended, but because I had to work that much harder to prove that I was um, capable of being in that industry, that's what I had to do. And I'm saying all of that to say, as Mimi started in the industry, so where we met on Bikini, Bikini Moon, Bikini Sunshine, um, she was three years old and that was right after she had gone viral. And again, that was nothing but d- divine intervention. So this whole journey that we've been on has simply been divine intervention. And so that's when I knew, when prophecy started being spoken into our life, I knew that something was happening. And so I had to start to mm-hmm. prepare her, that we had to start at three years old, we started looking at the faces on television and listening mm-hmm. to the voices in voiceover. And even though that's a black character, you can clearly tell that that's not a black voice. And mm-hmm. So we had to start talking at three years old that if this is something that, that we're going to end up in, and how do you talk to a three-year-old about a career, right? But if this is something that we're going to do, you have to know that this is going to be a really special journey. And the only thing that's going to take us to where we want to be is divine ordination and favor. And so, yes, we've seen it. Um, it starts at a very early age, um, <laughs> just just last week we were sent a breakdown for Mimi to audition and in the breakdown it says that the character was written for a Caucasian child, but we'll yeah. take all ethnicities. Well, I'm not going to waste our time if that's who you're mm-hmm. looking for, just because you want to say that you auditioned all ethnicities, Brilliant. Right? No, thank you. we're not going to do that. So yes, um, it starts at a very early age, it doesn't matter what age you are. Uh, the fact of the matter is
1: um,
2: it's it's all over in every industry.
1: Wow. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting that you say that because my mom, there's a story that my mom told me when I was in elementary school because I had a stuttering problem. And mm-hmm. so I had a teacher who would work with me, but it was this one teacher who came, um, who I was, I was in her class, cause we had two teachers in elementary school. And she told my mom that I would work at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. My mom mm-hmm. came to that school every single day, <laughs> sat in that mm-hmm. classroom mm-hmm. and she went back yep. and forth with that principal every single day because she said she couldn't trust, she couldn't trust absolutely. the teacher. A- absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. And that's the microaggressions that you're talking about. Right. That, that is a microaggression, right. you know, absolutely. and they put it, form of oh we're looking out for your child but it's mm-hmm. how constructive is that mm-hmm. for you to say that exactly so. and the thing about Not
0: microaggression i haven't even microaggression is just something that i've been able to put language to in the, in yes. the past couple of years i didn't even know it was a thing until somebody brought it to my attention um and um they were just letting me know like when it's the the way that People phrase things in which mm-hmm. they're not gonna say directly what it is, but they're gonna go around it, but it's still a form of uh, aggression, you know? Yeah. Um, when I was growing up, um, they always said, and all of my siblings, we all got the same notes in school. They said, uh, very talkative, very social. Oh, sorry, they said that we're very social, very smart and intelligent, but we talk too much. But no one ever thought, like, maybe you need to engage with us in <laughs> a different way. <laughs> right. And they right. do that, too. I see it. Ex- I see it, especially with a lot of um, African-American little boys where they have all of this energy and they're quick to put them on Rinlin and say they need medication. But really, you, you have these white dominated spaces where these te- these white teachers or teachers of other ethnicities don't know how to deal with our children. Maybe they need to um, maybe they need to have more interactive learning. You know, you ever thought about that, especially now with the children today. They're information age kids. You can't tell, yes. like you can't tell a kid who is on their iPad learning what a um, That's right. who it? of the one lady her her daughter was sitting up there putting like a, a trapezoid literally at like one, she could put the trap in the, in the, in the, hall, in the circle, in the square. You can't tell that same kid to now sit down and watch a little 30 minute, uh, right. slide board, slide, uh, slide board presentation. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. Right. You have interactive things. You have to like play games and use a sense of play to teach them and to, um, and to learn. And, um, you were, t- you were talking about the video that um, went viral. We were actually looking at that the other night. And we really wanted to know like, what was the motivation for that because, or what was the inspiration <laughs> for that? Because it just seemed like it was just a regular video that you just mm-hmm. naturally posted. So um,
2: as you just said, uh, I don't want to piggyback off, I just want to say a couple of things that you said because as you are an educator, career educator as well, and I can't miss the opportunity, to, you know, especially for those that are watching to say you're absolutely correct that it's not even just the microaggressions, but it's the fact that we are in a digital divide and our children today are born into the age of technology. And so we cannot expect, and our, many of our teachers, and we're very top heavy in education, and so many of our teachers um, do not, Really take the time to understand technology. They have an excuse of, well, I, I'm going to educate these children. And I don't have to have technology to do it. Well, the fact of the matter is, you do need technology because that's the way in which our mm-hmm. children learn. It doesn't mean that that's right. the only way to teach, but it means that is the best way that they learn. And I will. Howard Gardner said it best when he talks about multiple intelligences. And so, what you brought up mm-hmm. when you say our children are very linguistic, right? That's a part of the brain that the children are using, and for us to not recognize. And and as a people of color, we are storytellers. We're orators. That's what we do. We've had to pass our stories down um, because we could not write them down. And so we had to orate, we had to tell stories. Mm-hmm. And that is how our history often had to be told. And so to tell a child, especially a child of color, that that is not acceptable in a school format, well, that's what we do at home. You know, we get around the kitchen table, We have conversations because for many, 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 many centuries, that is the way we shared our stories. And those were the way in which we took messages. And that is the way because we could not write anything down. So I I just want to encourage anyone who's watching that because a child is linguistic. And so let's not even just call it talkative. They're linguistic. And so their intelligence, their dominant intelligence is language. And so use that language. They, me, myself, just the same. Always very talkative, the social butterfly. So for me as an educator, I became an orator. So what I do is I talk for a living. I get paid to talk for a living. Yes, that's a thing. And so my son, who is 15, he constantly played. He was always drumming. That is another intelligence. Musical intelligence is the part of the brain that dominates for him. He's a drummer now. We know that he's a very wow. gifted drummer. So I would encourage parents, especially parents of color, to see what is your, what your child is dominating in. And they tell you, because you're the one that's always like, girl, if you don't, stop dancing and sit down. Stop, or, <laughs> you're, always, you're always touching something. That's a kinesthetic learner. They touch to learn. Right. So you, you've got to, we've got to back down a little bit as parents and listen and see what our children are doing and utilize that in order to take them to where they need to be in whatever industry they be in. So, but I digress. I needed to mm-hmm. say that though as well, you an educator. What?
1: I, I, what I would like to say about that is I read this thing. It's really interesting that you're saying about how parents should back and and how they should allow their children to show them, you know, uh, how, you know, what, what they're good at. Mm-hmm. I read this art, this thing on Facebook the other day, I was in a forum and I'm in like, um, black moms United. It's a really great forum. It's like, where black women encourage you know, um, the, each other. And we talk about all types of things in that group. And one woman asked were you ever encouraged to go after your dreams when you were younger and i was so surprised it was like like 3000 women and it was like literally 75% of the women in the group were like no, no. and it shocked me it shocked me because you know, growing up with my mom, you know, I always had this thing about black excellence. Right. Mm-hmm. It was always an encouragement to do what you do, do something yes, to right. become the, the best part of yourself. But I was very shocked that a lot of black people don't encourage their children to be the best version of the best version of themselves mm-hmm. and what they're good at. And I'm not so much sure that they're not
2: allowing it versus being a traditional black mother, black father. Right. So if I think about my mother and growing up, it wasn't that she didn't encourage me. It's just that she wanted and expected a certain something from me and she knew that we had to be educated. She knew that we had to walk a certain path. And so their vision didn't allow for them to see anything different. Whereas now simply because of the educator in me and just because that was, I was trained to see children in different ways. I went to school for that. Most parents don't have that lens. And so they're not looking in that manner. So I wouldn't say that it's not that they're not encouraging to do that. I'd say that they have to be intentional about doing that because oh, although wow. you're being that parent it's great to be that parent but you have to also be the parent that looks to see what is your child dominant at don't don't just sit them down you know when when you're walking into a grocery store and you see a black parent and you see a white parent Typically, the white parent, and, and, and I don't want to get any emails about what black, I'm talking about what you typically say every, <laughs> I didn't use every, and I didn't use all, because I am not the parent that I'm getting ready to express, but we've seen it. You'll see a white parent go down the produce aisle and say, this is produce. Oh, feel that. That's an eggplant. What does it feel like? Is it soft? Is it, what kind of texture do you feel? They use all of the words that help them identify what they see, what they feel, and how to use their lit language to express that. Whereas you go down that same aisle and you may see a black. I told you to sit down. This is exactly why I didn't bring you. I told you every time we come to the grocery store, you want something. Every time Mm -hmm. we just ask it. Right. It's not that she's being a bad parent. Mm -hmm. She's probably on her way to the second job. She's got to get there. She's got to cook. There's a reason why all of that is happening. What I'm saying is the difference between the two children is not a level of intelligence. It's not a skill set. What it is, is the opportunity to have language spoken to them. And the vocabulary that they're acquiring versus the vocabulary that they're not acquiring. So there is a a reason you have to be very intentional parents and not hazard parents. So I think that it's important for us as parents to start to be intentional, especially in this kind of climate about what we're saying to our children, how we're saying it to our children and how we're supporting them or not supporting them. That is critically important right now in this critical time that we're in. But to get to the question that you asked me, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of intentionality, um, that particular video, uh, for those of you who have seen the video or haven't, it, um, it was a video of my daughter telling me at three years old before Bikini Moon. So she had just turned three and she was telling me she was so excited. And I was in, I worked from home. My husband also work from home. And so I was in my office. They were outside in the in the driveway playing tennis, what they call tennis. They were hitting the balls back and forth. So she came in and she was so excited, very linguistic, talked at a very early age. But as an educator, that's that's what happens, right? There there are test subjects for everything. So she comes in and she's excited. And I said, Okay, hold on, let me get my camera because you are really excited. So I picked up my phone, which happened to just be on my desk. She happened to walk in and the um sports illustrated was on my husband's desk which is also in the same office and so she picked it up because on the cover of sports illustrated was serena williams and she knew the story she was getting ready to talk to me about was serena williams so she runs by her dad's desk she picks up the the sports illustrated she said mommy daddy said i could be like serena williams and she holds up the, the the magazine and i'm like well how did, what did daddy say? What were you doing? So she explains that she was playing tennis and daddy told her that she could hit it one more time. And she hit it really, really hard. And daddy said, oh my goodness, you could be just like Serena Williams one day. And because Michael Michelle, ESPN in our house is like like oxygen. It's always on and on. In our house. My is a sports junkie. And at that particular time, Chase Manhattan Bank was running a an ad of Serena Williams fully dressed in um, makeup, Her hair was done and she had on heels, but she was hitting the tennis ball and she would grunt every time she would hit it. I guess in her mind, in Michael Michelle's mind, that was the epitome of I can be a girl, I can be strong and I can be great at what I do. I don't know. But for her, that role model and that representation on that television for her, when Daddy said you could be like Serena, was all she needed. And so I was just as a parent being intentional about capturing that moment. And 15 million hits later, we ended up in in Hollywood.
1: Wow. Yeah, you know, I remember we were on set um, and I was speaking to you and you were like, well we got this manager and this manager said we need to come over here right now. <laughs> right. Like we need to go so we're going to we're going to LA and I was like y'all better <laughs> y'all better do it. Cause she yes. was so good. We were in an um ADR session And I mean, she was just on cue, and she was just hitting it. And she was three, and I was like, "Yes, girl, she is just hitting every cue, every cue." And we didn't take long when when she was doing her ADR. It didn't take long at all. So I was, and that was her first ADR
2: opportunity. That was her first time being in an ADR booth. So,
1: yeah, it was it was amazing to see. But you know what I, you. I I wonder as well. So when you saw that in her, and maybe this is this will help like parents out there, but also people who are entrepreneurs or people who, you know, like in our community, the reason why you know we we started our podcast is because we feel like there's not enough information and resources on how you can like take things step by step to get where you need to be at. You know, there's, yes. there's steps yes. that you need to take. There's not, it's not going to come all at once, right. but there's subtle steps that you can take to get where you need to be at. So mm-hmm. after you saw that and her success, what are some of the steps that you took to, to help her get to her next step?
2: That's a great question. And people ask me that all the time. And I get lots of inbox messages and direct messages asking in a roundabout way, the same question. So let me first start by saying, and and I had this, I have to say it this way because it's the only way that I know how to say it. Um, Mm. Our journey was divinely ordained, right? And so we believe that being in this industry really isn't about the acting. It's not about the platforms that she's on. It's about ministry for us. So I want to start there. Uh, When the Lord ordains you to do something, doesn't matter what industry is and then favor falls upon you, he, he takes you from the back to the front in a very quick manner. And it's not for our own glorification or edification, but it's for his edification, right? And he puts us in positions that we can minister in our own way. And, and, and for those who are listening, ministry doesn't mean I'm trying to beat something over your head. It simply means that I am going to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. And hopefully you want to know what allows you to have so much hope in a time like this. What allows you to not be down when coronavirus has shut the world down and none of us are working and we don't have jobs. What allows you not to go crazy when you're not working and the mortgage is still due and the car payment is still due and and how do you manage that? And the only way I can tell you that I manage it is through my faith, right? And and, and so, If, any, if anything occurs, it's because we're in ministry. So when I, right. when my daughter went viral, 15 million hits within 24 hours, our life had mm-hmm. changed. So she went wow. viral in less, in, in less than, I'm not exaggerating, in less than 18 hours, there were 12 to 15 million hits on this video. Within that 24 hours, we got phone calls from ESPN, SportsCenter, Good Morning America, the Ellen Show. Wow. We we were getting a whole circuit, and so we had to very quickly sit back and say, okay. First of all, I, as the educator, I'm te- you know what what is viral? What does this mean? How many hits? Humans- <laughs> what is what is all of this? Right. So I'm trying to learn while I'm going along because while I don't know quite what's happening, I don't want to make any mistakes. And so the thing that I would say, the first thing for parents is you can't want. Film and television and stardom more than your child wants it. Right. So Mm -hmm. even if things are happening quickly, even if you're getting opportunities, you've got to stop and slow down yourself and learn before you sign anything. Learn before. If if your child is talented, there's not just one contract that's going to come. If your child is talented, it won't be just this time that somebody offers you something. So if you're mm-hmm. really looking to have longevity in an industry such as this, the first thing you have to do is to learn the industry. Don't sign mm-hmm. anything, right. get an attorney, Get don't move until you know the moves that you're making are, are right. solid and that they will not. So for example, I didn't know that if I allowed my child to do a non-union something that had to do with athletics. And so maybe they were kicking a ball for an ad. Well, now you're a paid sponsor. And so if you want to go back to college and you want to play sports, you might have an issue because you were a paid athlete, even though you weren't, it, it had nothing right. And so you've got to really know what you're doing. And before you sign anything, do anything, you need to seek counsel. So the first thing I would suggest is that parents seek counsel. The other thing is the first thing you have to do is you've got to get representation. There's no way around it. You can't right. find, you can find You can find small non-union gigs and I'm not, you know, when you start out we did a lot of small non-union gigs. That is not, it's not an right. issue. Uh, despise not small beginnings. I would never tell anyone that they shouldn't accept those but you need to accept them knowing what you're doing. You can't just go out and start as the mom or the dad or the auntie, was well, she so cute? I just wanna sign her up and I would all caution you you've gotta go get representation. Number one, they're gonna be able to find the bigger gigs. And so if your child truly is talented, they're gonna be able to find opportunities that won't come your way without certain certifications and those kinds of things. Um, But I would say the first thing, and anyone who's ever inboxed me, I can't tell you how to get to where we are because it was divinely ordained, but I can tell you the pitfalls to avoid. And so right now my job, is to educate you on the pitfalls to avoid because that's what I've learned over these past uh, five years that she's been in the business. And when I tell you that um, literally we've gone from the back to the front, Michael Michelle um, started with something very small, a non-union gig that mommy should not have. I've learned, but I, I <laughs> submitted her for a non-union gig and, and, and it, it it backfired on us a little bit. Um, But I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me, move in that direction. And so I did. What ended up happening was, for those of you who have little girls or know of LOL Surprise, uh, Michael Michelle started a very small, LOL Surprise wasn't even on the market yet. And for those who don't know, LOL Surprise are little dolls that children between the age of four and 12 play with. And they're these dolls that you can find all over the world. And they're owned by Little Tykes MGA. And so mommy submitted her because I was praying. And I'm like, Lord, now I know you told me to move to California and I here. <laughs> All these agents who told us to come, we're not getting anything, Lord, please. And so I started to take matters into my own hands because I was impatient. And so uh-huh. I signed, I signed a document, which I knew it was troubling in my spirit when I was signing it. But I was, you know, I was determined that I was gonna do this. I signed a document with, with a company, and it was for a small part, which was really, really cute, and it ended up you know, going viral, very cute, but it kind of locked us into, I didn't know I was giving exclusivity to for certain terms. I didn't realize, because I'm not an attorney, I, I read the contract, but I didn't know exactly what it meant. Long story short, we were able to work through that, things went great. Well, as I did that, because they liked working with Michael Michelle, who was four at the time, they then said, we have a new toy line coming out and we would love for her to be part of a duo that uses this toy and unboxes. We're gonna try a new concept. Again, fast forward, 1 million subscribers later and over 175 million views. Um, She is one of the parts of the duo for LOL Surprise. And so when we go on the street, barring Mixed This, barring ABs, HBO, Showtime, she's had shows on all of these stations. The thing that we get recognized the most for is LOL, right? No one would have thought, and the Lord kept telling me, I've got this, I'm doing things behind the scenes and I need you just to relax and understand that this journey is for ministry, so slow down and let me do it. Now, I don't see it, right? My faith is saying, okay, you can trust, you can trust, you know that this thing is gonna happen. But what I'm looking at is not producing the fruits that I thought I should, I should be seeing. Mm. And when LOL popped, that was when it really started happening. Not because of LOL surprise, but it was just that the Lord was telling me, I'm doing some things behind the scenes. It's not time yet. So I need you to mm. slow down. So I would caution parents, it's gonna be a long journey. It's not a sprint. It is a journey for the long haul. And we're nowhere near where I know he's taking her. We're, this is just the beginning.
1: Amen. Yeah. And you know, I, what I would say about that too is I've had so many conversations with artists and I've like, my encouragement to them is to kind of set up your brand the way you feel like you want to be represented. And also, you know, you got to set up your value systems because in this industry, people will try to tell you who you are mm-hmm. and hearing your story, like basically you had a brand that literally set up kind of like the type of projects that she wants to get, you know, because Mm -hmm. a lot of these kids, they start off in very, it's like very heavy content. And it always troubles me because I feel like it's emotionally, like very, very emotionally. Like, um, it's, it's, it's just too much for them, you know? So I'm just, um, I'm, I'm, First and foremost, I know that all things that we do, and I know people all think, you know, in this industry a lot of the times that um, the things that they do don't make an effort. But I've had so many times where I've been on a project and I'm thinking, like, nobody's paying attention, whatever, whatever. And then someone's like, oh, you worked with so-and-so? Oh, I know them. Let mm-hmm. me get you this new yes. job. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. Yes, so I yes, do get yes people out there like while you're building your brand it's really important for you to like just take opportunities one of my mentors told me he was like just take take some opportunities yes. out there you know you just never know like do be smart about it
0: right <laughs> well we were talking yes. about that last we were talking about that last uh last night how a lot of artists and entrepreneur well really artists a lot of artists they're just so eager to get the job you know i need that next check i need that Tish was like, you know, people, they don't under like artists. They don't understand. They really need to think of themselves as the brand and they need to think about like all of the relationships that they're fostering and they're creating. That's going to lead them to like where they want to be. But what I like reminded Tish is I said, but Tish. Tish is the producer. She's an artist, but she's also a producer. So she's learned the business aspect of the entertainment industry. I'm an artist, but Tish has had to educate me (laughs) on the business of the entertainment industry. So when we have conversations, we talk about about things long-term. What do we want long-term? And we understand that that road might not look like the conventional road right. but what I had to That's remind right. her is if we did not take this road we would be That's like right. all the artists out there which was like I just want to be cast I just want to be cast yeah. and they're not looking at themselves as I am the brand right here and right now and that brings me to what I when my I was talking to Tish about this other day the other day too my therapist she said you know I said yeah you know I just need to work hard and so I can get to where I need to, need to be and she was like mm, You know, as a Christian, we really have to look at spiritual work very different than what the world looks at work in the way that the world looks at work. Um, And it goes back to what you said about divine intervention. When God has ordained something over your life, um, there's there's nothing that can come between that. And we and she was saying that we have to do the work, which is do our part. Mm -hmm. yes he will do the rest and like you said he will take you from the end of the line to the beginning of the line all you have to do is do your part and we talk about it all the time on on our podcast um we especially as african americans just need to educate ourselves more i think that it's not that people don't want to know but they you just you don't know what you don't know but you can still have the will to want to know and to inquire there's youtube there's google and there's like great plans i mean i we talk about it all the time and i'll put it in the comments for people there's a great service called even legal shield where if you can't afford a lawyer mm-hmm. you can talk you can pay like 20 dollars a month and you can talk to a lawyer me and tish have used it for our business we didn't know what we were doing <laughs> right. what we were <laughs> and then Alba but I was like we were on the phone and we were educating ourselves and then cross checking it so it really starts with like planting that seed of like I need to educate myself and and just knowing that like what's for you God will, will handle the rest so
2: and 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 if you're a believer um certainly that is you, you have to trust that and you have to rest in that what is for you is for you and and as you said faith without works is dead right yes we um, have to have faith But we've got to do our part, and you've got preparation. At some point, is going to meet opportunity. So if you're preparing yourself and you are doing everything that you can do to be prepared, the opportunity is going to present itself because favor is in between, right? So you have faith, you have opportunity, and favor is the bridge that's going to bring it all together. And so you've got to be ready when it is your time. At the same time, you've got to be smart. You've got to educate yourself, right? So for me, as the mother, because we're talking about it, she's only eight now, right? And so she's extremely in tune and she's extremely intelligent about, I see, I see um, in the comments, her studio teacher is on, on the, on the, in the comments right now. And so I, you know, I give credit because the Lord has surrounded us with phenomenal people, right? First of all, I mean, I could just, for us to end up on a show like Mixed-ish where 98% of the individuals we see look like us, 98% of the individuals that we see have our best interests at heart as artists, right? And so what, I mean, everything that went before that, Mimi was close to a number of opportunities on major networks. And every time it fell through, I was just like, Lord, I, I, I know I'm doing what you're telling me to do. How is it that you didn't allow? And and I was really getting, I wasn't getting upset with him, but I was really becoming bothered by, I know I'm doing what you're telling me to do. Why is it that you won't allow this thing to happen? And it's because he has a perfect plan and you've just got to sit back, do your part and sit back and let him work it out. Because anything that would have come before mixed dish with that particular family and that particular studio and that particular um, you know, executive producer and that particular showrunner and those particular Great. writers and creators. You know, when I talk about the Kenya Barrises of the world and I talk about the Tracy Ellis Rosses and the Peter Sajis, this is my reality. Who would have thought you could not have told me even two years ago that these are the people oh, that wow. we're working with who have my child's best interest. I'm telling you, it is not just a production. They sit down and we have conversations about where your child is, what's probably the next step that you wanna take. I'm gonna turn you on to this person. I want you to call them and talk to that person. Uh And so I'm saying all that to say, when you are creating a brand, It is something that you have to do very intentionally and very slowly so that you know what you're doing so the longevity of it is there. Also, when you're creating a brand, you should be looking to create multiple streams of income. Yes, you might be an actress, but it can't just just be one gear. What else can you do? What are your other talents? And while you have this platform, what else are you looking for? Again, parents, if your child is the talent, Please don't push them in one direction. Let them lead you. I've always said when we go to certain auditions, there are sometimes times when Michael Michelle, we call her Mimi. Mimi is just not comfortable. And she will articulate to me, mommy, uh, I just don't think. And as much as I'm like, girl, do you know, we are, uh, do you know who this is? Do you know? And I can't, if she's uncomfortable, we walk out because I know that the Holy Spirit ministers to her too. And whatever this project is that's making her uncomfortable just right. because she's me, I'm not going to force my child to do something that she's uncomfortable with because I think it's the best opportunity. Absolutely not. And if it's for her and the Lord says it's for her, it's going to come back around. So you can't be afraid to walk out of the door if it is not something for you. Now, let me say this, Christians, because I've been called to the carpet already. I can- She had a commercial. It was a a, a Halloween commercial. And you know. The saints have gotten deep. Um, Listen, I'm 50 years old. I'm going to say it the way I want to say it. The saints saints have gotten real deep and we don't, we don't acknowledge Halloween now, but y'all still acknowledging Christmas and Easter and all that, but okay. We don't acknowledge Halloween. So, um, so why would you let your daughter dress up as a witch? And okay, so first, let me get this out of the way. That's a day of dress up for me. No, we don't. We don't celebrate spirits and say no. The same way we don't celebrate the pagan holiday of Christmas and celebrate trees. We don't. We celebrate Christ's birthday, but that's how we've done that, right? So let's not let's not get real deep. But anyway, after she appeared <laughs> on this commercial, people started literally inboxing me and calling me. Now you know that 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 holiday is of the devil, and we shouldn't be okay. Here's what they didn't know. And it took Tyler Perry to tell me this. He called me and I asked him this question. And I didn't see it until he told me this. And he said, and I said to him, you know, as as knowing that this is ministry, I want to make sure that I'm choosing the projects that will be that will minister to people, right? I don't want to choose things that maybe will cause someone to say, Well, now how does she let so he said to me, So if you let her play a child who's been abused. Do, do you want her to be abused? Has she been? Ab- no. Okay, so she's acting. Yes. Mm-hmm. If she was older and she played a murderer on a show, that is tolerable to you. Is she a murderer? She's not. So you know that. So the fact that she played a specific role, what you, what, what no one knew on that particular set, it was right around the time of the big hurricane and things were happening. I happened to be sitting on the set and warfare was going on on the set while my daughter was in filming. And I'm sitting with the adults and the parents and I'm getting chills just thinking about it because there was a gentleman who had so much to say about Christians during this time. And I can't believe that they're not opening up the church. There was so much warfare going on and I'm sitting back and I'm watching and the Holy Spirit said to me, this is what this is why you're here. This Mm. is why you're in Hollywood. And this is so I need you to open your mouth and I need you to speak on my behalf and I need you. That was the first Um, that was the first set where I had to actually literally go down in prayer and minister. And there happened to be the way the Lord set it up. Another woman of color, we locked eyes and I found out that she was a believer. We started praying on that set and covering Mm -hmm. our children on that set. But, but, but what you only thing you saw was the commercial. You didn't know that ministry happened on that commercial. And so Mm -hmm. when you're choosing, when you're choosing projects, you've got to go down, you've got to be prayed up so that you know which projects for you, you don't know. And, and so what Tyler Perry said to me, the ministry is not necessarily the project. The ministry is before, after, and during the project. So what if you okay. ended up on a talk show, what if you would have ended up on a talk show and they wanted to know why did you take that? And here we are, ladies, talking about why did I take that project? Because warfare was going on in that project and I'd do it again tomorrow if it meant oh, that I, I had an right. opportunity to share Christ with someone who would not have ordinarily heard it. And yes, it was on that set. So as believers, you've got to be alert because the enemy will try to uh, take you off the path the Lord has for you. And Mm -hmm. so as believers, it's so much more complex than just being an actress. And So so you've got a lot of avenues that you have to see if you're truly in this for ministry. Don't get me wrong. We love the acting. We love being on the set. And yes, it's, it's enjoyable but we realize what our first obligation is when we're there.
1: Yeah. You know, it's so interesting because we always talk about this now is like, if we're not doing it for Christ and like, we always have these panic moments where we're like, are we doing, are we doing what it is that God, that God wants us to do in this industry? And I remember, you know, Dr. Kimberly, when, You know, I stopped acting because I saw that people were being mistreated, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was I was getting booked. I had I had a a manager and I had so many auditions and I was like, you know what, God, I don't like the way they're treating people. I don't like the way they're treating people of color. I don't like the way they're talking to women. I mean, I've seen um, people say to women, just shut up and be pretty. And I was just like, hold up, Mm -mm. hold up, you know, so. When I started, I, I battled with that because I'm like, God, I know that I'm good at this. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I yes. know that I'm good yes. at, But I love that. And what God showed me is that I'm making room for you. You know, yes. I'm making room yes. for you to do yes. it all. Yeah. And if you just believe it, because this wasn't my initial path. If you just believe what it is that I am have for you, then you can do it all. But Amen. you're going to do it the way Amen. where it furthers my will. So it's always... Like That's that thing right. when, when you are a believer, where you're asking yourself, like, God, why did I have to take this whole U turn? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. That's to right. Back to a straight and narrow path. Like, mm-hmm. I had to take this whole, yes. like, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yes. And, it's, and that you have to have a spirit.
2: I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. go ahead.
1: You have to have a spirit
2: of boldness. What you're describing is you have to have a spirit of boldness and confidence, and you can't worry about the fallout. So you've got to do what he's telling yeah. you to do, and if that means you walk off that set, maybe. But what if somebody is watching you stand up for someone else and says, "I mm-hmm. need her on my team. Mm-hmm. I need that's the person I need on my team." So you've got to have a spirit of boldness. And as you can see, I look. My mom used to always say, "That's the only I only the only way I know how to say it is the way Jesus gave it to me." So and now and <laughs> I used to always say, oh, she gets on my nerves with that, but now I get it. I literally um, during this. Um, the civil um, unrest right now that's going on, I I absolutely used our platform to have a voice, right? Even on Mimi's page, she's a black little girl in Hollywood and all the microaggressions in the world who talk about all the microaggressions. Oh, well, how? what's her father? Oh, her father, what? Her father's black, yes. The little girl is a black little girl, okay? Regardless of what yeah. you see, it's called jeans. Um, she's a black little girl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we gonna have, we're gonna have a voice. And yes, I'm gonna put that on her page. And so at, at first, because I was getting a little bit of the inboxes and it was starting to hit me, I'm like, Lord, I, I need to make sure and then the Holy Spirit said to me, I know you not get ready to back down after I'm the one who gave you the platform I gave you the platform to have a voice dare do not shut your voice down during a time such as this this is when you need to be having the confidence and I said you know what Lord, you're absolutely correct and and regardless of what happens, I don't care if we go down to two followers if that's the way Jesus has it then that's the way Jesus has it I'm okay with that. Because he will take me to the next level. I'm not doing this for the 43,000 people. So let me say this very clearly to the people on Facebook and the people on Instagram. She is a black little girl. We have a voice and we are not heard and we will not be shut down. And so if you don't like it, I am fine with you walking away from our platform. That's OK. That's OK. I'm and right God right? bless you. Amen. No.
1: I, and, and that's an, that's another thing, too, like. If you don't stand for something, and I and me and Darkway, we have all these, we always have these conversations because Mm -hmm. I have been I have gotten so many job job offers and so many people that I could work with, but they were just awful people. I mean awful. I mean the things that they say, the things that they do, I was just like, you know what, God, you know, it's not in your will for me to work with these people because it's in my heart to help people, right? Yes it's in my heart to help. You know, you've blessed yes. me with the, the, you know, a heart of compassion, and they just don't match. Right. And the people yes. who do match me, we become. Not only do we become like people that we work, like we work together all the time, but also we become friends.
0: Right. You know, yes.
1: we become yes. friends, and I think yes. that's the part people really need to understand when out uh, to just. Pull this all together when we're talking about leveling up you have to have lifelong relationships
2: yeah. that's right you have
1: that's right have that's relationships right. like you can't just be hustling 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 mm-hmm. taking advantage being an awful person to people and then want somebody to cash you and your in their next project mm-hmm. because I'm not going to look at you because the person I'm going to look at is the person who was a good person a kind person they came to work on time <laughs> let's mm-hmm. put that out there they came to work on time they got work at about they- that at the end of the day I can count on them. Mm-hmm. You want to know why? Because at the end of the day, I'm a nice person but also it makes me look good when you right. do your job. Right. You know? And you can feel it when you when
0: the people's spirits and energies don't align. Like that spiritual warfare yeah. talk about. People who are for you, they're always for you from mm-hmm. day 1. Hey, how are you? How are you doing? Like you said, the the people that are in your network They've always been for you. It's never been, oh, do I know? It's how can we help you? How can we be there for you? What do you need? And I think that people just have to really be okay with, like, I think at least I know what I've experienced and what I've seen is a lot of artists and entrepreneurs, they wanna be friends with everybody, they wanna get along with everybody, they wanna network with everybody. But sometimes a no is okay. Sometimes not being overly associated with somebody in a certain capacity is OK. I mean, me and Tish, we met in grad school. We yeah. were, we we were, I didn't even want to sit next to Tish. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't want to sit next to Tish. We met in grad school. And I remember she was like, oh, you don't have to sit next to me, Narcoye. And that's that Holy Spirit, because he has been working this thing out with us. I mean, it's just like ridiculous. The next year, I know. <laughs> but but the next place i needed a place to stay and the same kindness that she showed me and oh hey you want to sit next to me and she saved me a seat when nobody else did was the same kindness that she showed me That's when we were roommates and when we worked together on projects and when we started like bus- a businesses together so but she's always been for me it's never been yes a, a yes question. She's
2: always been there. Well, it's it's great that you say that because um, going, going back to some of the things that you said earlier, um, and this brings this full circle and leveling up, um, if you are you and authentically you wherever you are, you never know who's watching. And so even though you may have walked into an audition and that wasn't the audition for you, you don't know who else was in that room watching you. And I will tell you that the way we got mixed-ish, the show that changed our life, basically. I mean, Mimi was on, if, if those who are following her career, she was on um, Big Little Lies season two on, mm-hmm. on HBO, She, which was great. I mean, great exposure, great working with all of those seasoned, Meryl Streep was on, on that particular season, um, Nicole Kidman, I, I, it, it, it was a phenomenal cast, right? Um, she was also on Showtime's The Affair, another phenomenal cast and a great opportunity, great exposure. Despise Not Small Beginnings. She also was on, uh, she had one line. The only line she had was, I'm a banana. That was on Netflix and it was a show called Mayonnaise, a kid called Mayonnaise. It was a pilot, it didn't get picked up, but it was her, you know, it was It was. It was something, right? And so we we forgot all about Mayonnaise. After we booked mixed Dish, and, you know, like you said, relationships, right? So we have a good relationship with the casting department on Mixish, because we have a good relationship with every department on Mixish. We have a good relationship department with the caterers and with the um, mm-hmm. food service mm-hmm. and with you know. There's no one on that set that Michael Michelle and I don't know their names because everyone in the industry plays their part, plays their role, and makes us successful. Right. The entire team, right? So it does not matter what your role is; you're part of our right. success. And because we have a good relationship with casting, they told us one day, you remember that show that you did a kid called Manny's, where she had that one line, I'm a banana. Literally. That is all this little girl said in that show. She was on the swings and she said, I'm a banana. That was the same casting team that when mixed dish came up and they were looking for a little girl, her age, her stature with sass. They said, Oh my gosh, remember that little girl. And this was, two to three years after I'm a banana. And because they saw her, because they liked the way that we were as as a team on set, because we were so easy to work with, because Michael Michelle was so mannerly, because she took direction well even at four, because all of these things that two years later, these women, we made such an impression. And no, I'm not patting myself on the back, I'm saying, When you do it the Lord's way and the favor is on your life, you Mm. never know who's watching. And when it's time for preparation to meet opportunity, favor takes you right across that bridge. And that was the thing that got us that audition into the front of the line in Mixeditch. Yes, they auditioned hundreds of, of little girls for her role, but they had already in their mind thought, I think this is the little girl that we want. And that was a phenomenal story because that brought all the way back for me. Talk about leveling up. If you keep your eye on the prize, which is Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. all he said, if you delight myself in if you delight yourself with me, I will give you the desires of your heart. All other things will be added unto you. That that don't worry about the other things. Don't worry about getting a show. Don't worry about getting the right. Just do what I'm telling you to do, and I'll add everything else to you. I'll give you even the desires that you have. And so I think it's important as we think about this thing as artists, that the prize or the eye on the prize, the end of the road is not a show or the end of the thing is pleasing Christ. And if I can do that, everything in between is just icing on the cake. And so I I would again encourage folks. And if there are non-believers who are listening, so certainly of course, I would love for you to get to know my friend named Jesus. (laughs) the The other thing is even, you know, preparation, regardless of whether you're a believer or not, preparation and opportunity at some point are going to come together. And so you have got to prepare yourself to be in this industry and know what it is you're looking for. What is your end goal? Leveling up means I have a plan. You know, oftentimes as entrepreneurs, um, having started a number of businesses, black folks, our people, we like to start business without a business plan. Right. Because I have a great idea. I know I can cook well. I want to open a restaurant. That's great. Knowing that you have the talent to do it, but you've got to go out there and do the necessary preparation so that it can succeed. Just having an idea, what if you place it in the wrong place and you haven't done statistically, you haven't looked at how many restaurants are in this area and what is the price point? Oh, I can't be in this area because I need to charge a little bit more. I've got to find an area where I can charge. Otherwise, people are not paying for that food in this particular area. Doesn't make it a bad thing. It just means this is not the place for you. You don't know that if you haven't done that research, if you haven't written the business plan. So who are you? what is your brand? What do you want it to be? Before you go out there and just put yourself out there, you've got to do the work, the homework and the preparation to know who you are and what you want to be and how you're going to get there and then go on that journey. Hmm.
1: Yeah. And that's, it's, it's so um, crazy. Cause I'm thinking to myself while you're saying this, Kim? how are you managing? <laughs> right, like, right, I'm, I'm, right. Like, I'm like, you, you got, you got the ministry, you got the kids, you got the business, you got mm-hmm. the home. How are you, uh, keeping it together? Because I'm sitting in my head thinking, like, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> how, are ja- how, are how are you juggling? How are you juggling
2: Nobody but Jesus. Um. I have a great, I have a great support system. My husband basically keeps, so, so we have four children, um, two are adult children and they are on their own. And we have two children in the house, a a 16 year old and, and Michael Michelle. And so my husband basically, I, I couldn't do it without him. He, he holds it down here because Michael Michelle, as we all know, she works 45 hours a week out of the home, and then there's all the preparation that goes on behind the scenes. So there's the running of the lines, the prepping of the hair, uh, all of those things. So that she's, she's, and, and that's not her only project. So she's also working, you know, for MGA. She also is working for So she has a number of projects out there that we do. So we're working no less than 50, 60, 70 hours a week. Um, SAG, don't contact me. I know what child labor laws say. I'm talking about other things that are not on the clock, okay? So. Um, <laughs> You know, you gotta make all these little, you know, statements. Right? Yeah. I right, right. Um, so my husband really helps me hold it down. Um, we have an extended family. I my 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 sister um, is here in California, and so there are times when I have to fly out and go do an engagement, and she'll come and she'll take Michael Michelle, or oftentimes my husband will. Michael Michelle doesn't like what my husband takes. She's like, Daddy, daddy doesn't have the patience, mom. You can't send daddy <laughs> But um, we have an extended family that really assists us. Um, that that helps us. Even our family on set. If I have to leave set, they'll take um, you know uh, temporary custody of her while I run to do something, and we do that for each other. So it's really it's an extended family that I have that helps us make it all work.
1: Yeah, that's good because that doesn't happen every day. No. <laughs> I'm gonna be, yes, I'm gonna. Be, honest because you know there's a lot yeah. of people out there they have um you know they get help they have like yeah. you know nannies and you yeah, know
2: we, we, we don't have any of that we're not there yet <laughs> 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 nope <laughs> no. i'm the
0: momager the nanny the caterer you know everything <laughs> i see on your instagram profile it says um you uh, michael's mom coach and our handler and coach on, on your Instagram yes. profile so and you yes. you are a coach because you're with her while she's preparing for 60 to 70 hours a day so absolutely absolutely it, it is again critically important
2: i'm her biggest advocate right so i don't like when people call i'm not her i'm not her manager she has a manager i'm oh, okay. her okay. advocate I, no, no, I, I wasn't correcting you. I'm saying, you know, people will say to me, you know, oh, are you the momager? I don't like that term simply because it has a connotation with it. No, I'm not an yeah. I'm not a, you know, yeah. someone who's coming on set, to, but I am her advocate. So you can't as a production, you can't tell me, okay, I know she's supposed to get an hour of school, but what we need. No, 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 no no, no, she's going to get her hour of school. So production needs to figure it out. You knew she needed that hour of school before we walked onto the set. So whatever it is she has to get, you make sure she gets it. I have to be her advocate. And so she's got a manager to manage the career. She's got agents and she's got public publicists and she's got attorneys. That's what they do. I am her mother and I'm going to look out for her and I'm going to make sure that as her mother, she is safe and that she has, that's the other thing I would say to parents, do not let your child out of your sight. This industry is not a trustworthy industry. Please ensure that you are there and don't let production, again, don't be afraid to have a voice. There are laws and the laws need to be followed. Your child has to have school. What happens if dish if folds? I can't have an uneducated eight year old. She still has to be educated. Right, so right. We've, gotta, we've gotta make sure that everyone is doing their part and ABC knows, mixed dish knows. And so again, we've had a good partnership where we haven't had any problems, but I need you've gotta be an advocate for your child. You can't just, okay, but we want it. So she don't say anything. We'll, we'll do school when we get home. That is not fair to your child. They've worked for 40 plus hours and now you want them to go home and do school and prep for tomorrow? No, that's not fair. If you have to stand up and stop production, because I will stop production. Hey, I don't know what to tell y'all, but she going to school right now. Okay, she will be (laughs) in school for an hour. And I've had, you know, um, production, you know, ups come to me and say, "Uh, "Do do you think it's no? It's not okay." And I'm telling you, it's not okay. And if you come to me and ask me that again, we were going to have a problem. So don't ask me if it's okay. It's not. I'm telling you now, forevermore, in perpetuity, it is not okay. So that's what I <laughs> <get>
0: on that. <laughs> in perpetuity. I know that's right. Um, Dr. Kim, I you know, one of the things that I've been hearing a lot of parents talk about is homeschool, but also they've been talking about the conversations that they've been having with their kids about um, COVID and about racism, just because it's, I mean, it's there. And I saw that we posted the same video of the little kids in the wagon who said Black Lives yes. Matter you had that on your on your page. So um, yes. how have you been able to have conversations with um, Mike, Michael Michelle and your son about racism and just COVID-19 as a family?
2: So, so let's start with COVID-19. Uh, it's a little bit easier to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. So we, we, we've we had to have conversations about you know being safe and and being quarantined and how we do our part in something like this. And again, for me, because I'm an educator, the, the easiest way to start is the education. So we talked about, you know, the previous pandemic, a uh, hundred or so years ago and what that looked like. And we pulled up pictures and we talked about, and, and at the same time, while you're educating children, you also have to assure them that things are going to be okay, right? For us, the first thing that we talk about is the fact that the Lord the Lord is still sitting on the throne and all is going to be OK. Yeah. It, it, no matter what this world looks like, no matter how chaotic it gets, no matter what is happening, he still sits on the throne and his promises to us are still yay and amen. So that's our that's yeah. our foundation. That's our foundation. However, let's talk about the science of it. And so we educated our children on the science of it. And and, and, and as I told my children, they have yet to be out in public. Um since it started. So if they go out, we go out in the car, we might go to McDonald's or something because they just have to get out of the house, which I understand, but we stay in the car and we do things, you know, either on an app or something like that. But I would say that with regard to going back to school for my son, for example, who's not homeschooled, um, I'm 30 years in the business. The president, the secretary of education, the governor, nobody is going to tell me when my child is ready to go back to school. I will tell you, when my child is ready to go back to school. When I see when I feel like my child is, is, is gonna be safe and that you can provide my child. Listen, they don't clean these schools on a regular basis now. Right. What uh-huh. makes me think that you're all of a sudden going to spend the money and the resources to step up to take care of my child now? And why did it take COVID for you to step up to take care of my child now? So I will right. be keeping my child home until I feel, this is no judgment about anyone who sends their child, you have to do what's right for your child. I have to do what's right for my child. And until I can see that there is a way to control um, COVID-19, I'm not okay with sending my child back. And so that's how we talked about that. As far as going back to work in COVID-19, I feel like that's probably gonna be one of the safest places that we can ever be because of the, the liability on the studio. So I'm very comfortable um, as I go back to take a look and see the protocols that were put into place. But, but we all know that the, the, the sense of liability that's there it's gonna be a safe place for us. And so we're comfortable with that. Right. With regard to the civil wow. unrest, now, you know, as as families of color, these are conversations that we have from day one, unfortunately, when our children right. are growing up, um, these are conversations. I grew up in a house where there was a strong dichotomy. My father was very, very, very dark skin. My mother was very, very, very fair skin. As a matter of fact, Michael Michelle is the spitting image of my mother. So she gets her jeans, the, the eye color, yeah. the hair color, the 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 um the um skin tone, all of that comes from my mother. She literally is my mother. They both have the green eyes with the fair skin. She is my mother's child. So I sit in the- <laughs> <laughs> in our home when I was a child growing up. My father was very very militant. He always made sure that we understood that you will not get any handouts. Um, you this is this is who you are. You are black in America, and this is what this means. My father. It's funny because during this time, because we're we're all operating from a deficit, right? We've all been inside for 122 days, not that anybody's counting. And (laughs) we have not, not, you know, people are not working. People are are not, you know, able to buy what they used to buy. And so everyone in America right now operating from some kind of deficit, regardless of whether you're rich, poor, in between, you still are not living the life that you lived before March 16th. And so we're all just inside having time to reflect. We should be reflecting. Um, I've had time to reflect. And as I look back over my life, my father who was very, very militant, who always made sure we understood who we were and how we were growing up in America and the fact that you're gonna have to work harder. My mother who was a lot fairer, um, she didn't experience the same experiences that this black man experienced in America. And so there was this dichotomy in our home that i never knew not that one was right and one was wrong there was just a strong dichotomous environment that i had to figure out i don't i don't really even know like do i do i take after my father or become really militant but his militancy was displayed in anger right so he just had this anger it was always you know you're not going to take you know it was just he would his fuse was always so short with regard to race relations and so he lived his life now that I look back in protest, he became an equal opportunity officer for the federal government. He would go into every Saturday, um, or every once a month on Saturdays, I would go with him and we would go into the urban areas or inner cities and we would teach people, not we, I was with him, but he would teach people how to take the civil service test to take to get government jobs because he ended up as an air traffic controller. And so he felt that his give back or what he was meant to do is to teach other people how to get into these doors that aren't necessarily open and no one is going to teach you how to get into these doors. And so I watched him live that life. And so we talk about Jane Elliott. I was introduced to Jane Elliott, when I was seven years old, because my father used her work in order to teach these individuals the kind of racism that's out there and how you have to combat this racism and what it looks like. And so, how do you build yourself up in order to go out there? So, I lived that side. On the other side, where my mother was, I lived the life where I would get in trouble at school. For example, teachers would say, Back to what we talked about early on. White teachers would say she's very um, confrontational. She never just takes my word for it. She's always got to come back. Well, I didn't, of course I do, because my parents raised me to have conversation. And if you're a teacher, you should be having conversation. If you're going to teach me something, you can't talk at me. You have to talk to me and with me. So the fact that I have uh, a question or I want to converse with you about this, why do you see that as a threat? But oh, you only see it as a threat coming from me. I get it because I'm a little black child. My place Mm -hmm. is to sit in that seat and shut up and not challenge white authority. So when I would bring that home, my mother's first question to me would always be, well, what did you do? And my father's first response to me would always be, we going up there. And so there (laughs) there was always living in between. And so with my children, I tried to temper being very honest with them but first educating them on here is the foundation. Here is why we are living in a time period of what it is right now. Here's how it came to be. And then here is our response, first Christ, and we respond as Christians at the same time, we we do have a response and this is how. So, so we've done a lot of educating and watching of movies and looking um, at uh, Google and YouTube and trying to really bring it down to terms that they will understand so that they can understand how to respond. I thank God for COVID-19 before the civil unrest because what Corona and quarantine has done for us as a family, it's giving us given us an uninterrupted amount of time to sit at home and educate my children on the real America that we live in before they have to go back out here and face it. And so I am pleased. I thank God that his will is perfect and that he worked it out that we had time at home in order to talk about this and watch the civil unrest. And we did, we went out and protest because I felt like my children needed to be a part of the protest. And so we went out and we took part in the protest, but I was able to educate them first before we were able to go out there. So it's, I I thank God that it worked out the way that it worked out. And so we're just educating and continuing to talk through what it looks like.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting protesting because I, we don't really have protests down here in South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, like every, everyone's just like super Caucasian. Just that. <laughs> let's just say that. But she went out protesting.
0: I went out protesting. I stood on top of a whole car, and I protested Where? a whole car across the Brooklyn Bridge. But it was really, you know, um, we talked about Reverend Al Sharpton and you know all of that, and. Um, And what, you know, him being at the memorial. But um, one of the things that he did say is, he said that when he protested during um, the civil rights movement, he said that a white lady literally told him, use the N word and say, said, you know, N-I-G-G-E-R, go home. He said today, a little white girl came up to him and said, no justice, no peace. And he said, you know, we really have to understand that the time clock has been shifted. It's been moved. Like there's so many white people who are standing up for the Black Lives Matter movement Mm -hmm. and who are speaking up about um, racial injustice and inequality. And um, it was really beautiful just to see that at the protest. And I know I live in New York. I live in a place, you know, I live in a very liberal state. So I know that it's not the same in other parts of the world. However, I'm, I'm happy about it. What I, what I really don't understand is, because um, I work with children, um, and I think that there is going to be an issue as far as educating white children on Black history. Because growing up, you had history in school, and then you had history at home, like you said. My parents, they said, OK, this is what they tell you. We were slaves. But I'm going to break it down and tell you all of the scenarios that happened in slavery, all of the different dynamics that happened in slavery. And then I'm also going to tell you about your history before slavery and after slavery. My mom, she did not play. I knew that we were kings and queens. I knew that we were business owners. Um, I knew all of it. And so the thing that I'm seeing right now is you have some white parents who they're, they're aware of their white privilege, but I don't think they're they're really educated enough to really speak to their children about um, about. They're educated enough to say this is what racism is, but they they have no. They're not educated about our history, so when they're talking to these kids, like you said, you use language that your kids could understand. I see these white parents who are talking to their kids, or even the schools. They're they're doing virtual learning before school was out, and they'll just play a video. And then you have the six year old who's looking at it, who's looking at this video, and I'm like, this is wrong. Like the way that they're teaching it is wrong because it's still teaching them that they are superior. You're not breaking down anything you're just saying is just almost repeating it and so i don't really know what the solution is but um we talked to our friend crystal and i said you know you need to create some type of curriculum or something as an educator because people like our school systems they really need help with how to break down um african-american history and to teach it to children so that they can understand and be aware so we don't repeat these systems you know
2: Absolutely agree. I think that now I agree that it's a different time. I will tell you that um, with regard to allies, uh, first, let me say um, there have been a number of folks that I did not know were allies who have used their platforms, um, Mm -hmm. Facebook, uh, Instagram, that as I'm watching, um, at first I was just watching it, but I, I had to, I felt so moved that some of the allies that I had, white allies, I had to inbox them or actually you know, on the Facebook page say thank you because you're doing more than some some black folks are doing, right? And and right. we all know that just sitting on a keyboard is not going to change. But let me let me say this. First of all, let's not protesting is done in many different ways. It's not just marching in the street, it's right. not just standing on Capitol Hill. It's not just there are protests when people are so moved to be an ally. First of all, black folks, let's not play. Let's not act like we knew how to teach people to be allies prior to now. OK, so let's not play. <laughs> if, if, they're, if they're trying to be allies, don't shut them down by saying, well, that's not the way you do it. Just step up alongside of them and show them if there's more to be done or talk to them about how to be an ally. But let's not downplay the fact that they're using their voice and people are watching them use their voice. They're putting themselves out there. The majority of their followers are not black. The majority of their followers are white. And so they're using their voices to say, this is what I've learned, this is what I know. So I think that's important. I also, like you said, as I'm watching the protest, the color of the protest, right here in the Santa Clarita Valley, the protest that we went to, um, the majority of the protesters were white. They were not people of color. And when I looked around, it brought tears to my eyes because they are standing up for us. They right. took it upon themselves to come out. And I, it was phenomenal to see. And when you look at the protests around the world right now, around the world, you're seeing such a mixed group. And I think we have an opportunity to really capitalize. And so, I'm also seeing black folks say, "We didn't ask for Aunt Jemima to leave the shelf, and we didn't ask for you to take the word master. We want it all. Why are that. we okay with some of it and not okay with all? We want it all. No, we realize that just taking Aunt Jemima off the pot package is not going to change or or eradicate racism. We know that. We know it's institutionalized. But so if we change all the laws and we still have Aunt Jemima on the shelf and Uncle Ben on the shelf." It's still being perpetuated. We want it all. So again, I would just caution us as Black folks ourselves to not just shoot everything. Let's just go ahead and accept everything they're giving us right now. That's number one. And number two, in addition to all of that, we absolutely need to create a curriculum. And it has to be created by people of color, Black folks. It 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 cannot be created. So one of the jobs that I had, and I thank Jesus for it, um, for 18, almost 20 years, I worked for Hope Mifflin Harcourt, which is the uh, largest academic publishing company in the world. And So they create the textbooks that are in classrooms. And of course, because I was the only, literally, the youngest and the only black person in my role at that company, um, my job was to always say, but what about me? I mean, but what about me? I, I I knew they were sick of hearing it, but again, I knew the Lord placed me there for that reason. So I'm gonna go ahead and use my voice. If they don't want me here, don't take me down. But always stories, but there's no diversity. And when I talk about diversity, I'm not just talking about my face as a person of color. I'm also talking about women. I'm also talking about the handicap. I'm also talking about a deep LGBTQ community. Like everyone that is diverse needs to be represented. And so a curriculum that's going to teach our history, our true history, up through the present has got to be written by people who know the history for sure and can teach that history. Now, how do we dispel and debunk all of the the misinformation that's out there? That's the question. I don't have an answer for that because if we can do that, that's how we begin to eradicate racism, right? right? You see people who are angry because folks are really serious about standing up for for what we believe because we're tired, right? We are tired of just sitting around and taking what you're giving us. We're not gonna do that anymore. And you know, I see everyone, we're not our ancestors and that is not to degrade. I thank our ancestors for everything they did but now it's time for us to take it to the next levels. Our ancestors wouldn't want us to be them. They would want us to take everything that they did and take it to the next level. And that is the charge that we've been given. So however you do that, Whether you're behind a keyboard, whether you're out in the street protesting, whether you're on Capitol Hill, whether you're leading protests, all of it matters. It all matters in order for us to move the dial and the needle. But with regard to our children, someone has got to get in there and get to these publishing companies and get our stories into the mainstream history. It's not black history. It's American history. You you brought us here in 1619. It's American history. We happen to be black but it is American history. And let's mm-hmm. just tell the story mm-hmm. the way the story is intended to be told.
1: Amen. Amen. Okay, on Kimberly. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. So one thing that you've been talking about, and I think this would be a really good question, is what are the, some of the crazy changes? Oh, yes. OK. so. I've been out
0: here protesting and I don't know. And one of the things we always ask people, we ask them, have they been protesting? You clearly have been protesting. But when I went protesting, some of the things these people are saying are very creative. <laughs> some of them are like a hot mess. I'm just sitting up there like, wait. I'm like repeating the chant. And I'm like, wait, what did right. I just say? I don't understand. So um, we have been just. Asking people who come on the show, if you were leading your own protest, like what would your chant be? Because oh, like, wow. you, like have you heard some of the chants? <laughs> you you know what I'm talking about. Yes. You're about yes. To lose your what, job. What was the one?
2: Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> I needed a little levity at that particular moment, so that you about to lose your job had me cracking up. But what was the one in New York? Um, uh, hey hey hey. Well, black people used to live here or something like <laughs> Did you even hear one of New York? <laughs> They were in Brooklyn and it was something like um, black people used to live here, black people used to live here. You I, it was something about gentrification. But it was like black people used to live it. They would repeat, black people, you you gentrified it. You oh you gentrified it. Use a lie. You gentrified it. Use a lie. So I'm like I'm like, I'm like oh, okay, it's creative. <laughs> um, but if I had to lead a chant, I don't know. Um, wow, that's put me on the spot. I, I would want it to. I would want it to have something to do with education, right? I would want to chant the fact that, you know. This is who we are. This is why we're doing it. And this is the edge. You know, you need to educate yourself, like go educate yourself. But I don't I don't know exactly what the cadence would be, but it would have to do something with that. Educate yourself. Educate yourself. yourself. Right. Something like that. Okay. Educate
0: yourself. (laughs) OK. Okay.
2: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. Yes
0: yes yes that is awesome that yes. is awesome well thank you so much dr kimberly for meeting with us today and just talking with us we really appreciate it i mean you have literally you were just a wealth of knowledge yes, literally <laughs> i just I feel like i was I feel like I was in um, an African-American studies slash um, culture development class. <laughs> but like with the cool teacher, you know how you always had that professor where even though yes. he had that lecture and it was like an hour or an hour and a half, it felt like it was yes. 15 minutes because they were so yes. cool. Yes. That, that's who you are. Oh, <laughs> thank you.
2: Ladies, first of all, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for representing us. Thank you for having a voice and giving others a voice. We appreciate all that you're doing. We need more and more and more of this in our industry. So thank you so very much to everybody that's joining on the side. I see you, Miss Joanne, my mom, and uh, other people on. Thank you so much for joining oh, I love us, too,
0: Dorothea. Yes, my mom and my yes, sister are here. here.
2: I guess <laughs> like I saw her one time she said, Yeah, she's like, that's right. We don't play. We educated y'all. So I do that with
0: your <laughs> <all. laughs> She watches every show. She does not play.
2: <laughs> that's wonderful. Thank you for having me. I greatly appreciate um, the time that you spent with me and I appreciate you um, even taking the time to know my daughter and to kind of, you know, just come alongside of us. We always need an extended village to raise every child. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you. So we're going to end our broadcast, but we're going to keep you on for a minute or two. We are so appreciative, everyone, for you coming out, listening to us. We are podcasting every Thursday at 8 p.m. We try to talk about leveling up and also what's going on in our country because we feel like it's really important Mm -hmm. to hear everybody's perspective on it. So we'll see you next Thursday. Thank you, guys. Bye, guys. (laughs) Thank you.